0: It's okay to be afraid. It's perfectly natural. It's okay to have confidence and look in the mirror and say, I like you. I think we were all taught to be humble and maybe not toot your own horn, but this is the one time that is so important to toot your own horn, to feel good and to just be a badass, like dig deep and find the badass in each of you and let that shine, because if you don't do it, no one else will.
1: This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on, from the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between. Here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Hello, and welcome back to First Date Stories. For our season finale, we've got a tale that's about a lot of things. Among them, how to find yourself after divorce, take huge risks for personal renewal and growth, and how to get to a place of being ready for a new committed relationship. After the collapse of her 24-year marriage, Chloe decided she needed to figure out who she was since she wasn't her ex's wife any longer. She needed to connect with her purpose. Chloe determined that she had to start her life anew. She was able to find the strength to do it and change her life in major, major ways. Soon after she reached the point where she was ready for a new relationship, the pandemic took off. Then she met David, Many of his actions told her that he also was ready for a serious relationship, which is why she was very surprised by what happened. Here's Chloe's first date story. Hi, Chloe. It's great to have you as my guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's satisfy our listeners' curiosity about your backstory
1: straight out the gate. Please share some details about yourself.
0: Um, I'm 52. Within the last two years, I got divorced after 24 years of marriage. Um, We divorced amicably. I have two children, 22 and 20. And I was married to what I call a big fish in a small pond. And in order to move on, I really needed to make a big change. And I realized that I needed to have my own identity my own purpose. I was living in the southeast United States, and I packed everything up and made a decision in five weeks to move out west, away from my children, away from everything I knew, um, just to start over. And in doing that, I met a group of women that all had the same idea to rearchitect their lives and. Basically, the same thing find an identity, find their own purpose, not one as a mom and a wife, but as an individual. I decided to go back to school. So I'm working on my MBA. And to really get my head straight, I decided to walk the El Camino de Santiago, which is the 500 mile walk across Spain. And when you walk the Camino, it always says the Camino gives you what you need. And it's True. And it's hard and it's painful physically, mentally, and emotionally. But even after you finish and you come back home and you get into the real world, the Camino still is giving you exactly what you need. And it changed who I am and my trajectory in life.
1: You have gone through such a major life transition recently. And it sounds like a personal renaissance at the exact same time.
0: It is. And it was scary. And I think I just had to really learn to be comfortable with the very uncomfortable. Actually, physical pain is much easier than mental or emotional pain.
1: How have you become comfortable with the uncomfortable?
0: With my breath. When I feel that uncomfortable, I just come back to my breath and stay in the now. I'm like, okay, we have to just go through this. You can't change it. It is what it is. And I have a tattoo when I finish walking the Camino. I tattooed on my arm. It says one step at a time. And I literally just breathe and remind myself I have food, water, shelter. One step at a time, you'll get through this.
1: That's amazing. You have literally put a, a mark on your body to help you through and guide you through the next phase of your life.
0: Yes. The left arm says breathe, and the right arm says one step at a time.
1: Which direction do you look at more often, left or right?
0: They're simultaneous. There isn't one more than the other. The one step at a time is the one that soothes me the most. When I look at the breathe, it reminds me how far I've come, that, and that I literally can breathe through anything. If I just remember to come back to my breath, you know, this too shall pass.
1: When you look back at the woman who was the big fish in the small pond, do you... Recognize her in you now?
0: No, I was Dr. So and so's wife for too long, and I now am Chloe. You're rocking it. Mm-hmm. I don't even physically feel the same, I feel younger. And even though I'm 52, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up because it almost feels like I got to do over.
1: That is such a healthy way to look at the course of events that have happened in your life and the steps you've taken as a result of them.
0: I feel like I've been through too much pain, that there's no more space in my body for pain or anger or regret. So each day has to be a a clean slate. It just has to.
1: Your children are grown. They are. Now you said that you and your ex-husband had an amicable divorce. Yes. But clearly and understandably, you've gone through a lot of emotional upheaval that you ultimately landed really well after experiencing. But still, starting a new relationship, often even thinking about starting a new relationship often isn't an easy Thing to do, so I'm curious. How did you go about getting to the point where you thought I want to start dating again?
0: Um, I was on the Camino. I just assumed I was old and unwanted because otherwise, why wouldn't my marriage work? And when walking the Camino, um, there was this young man that just kept kind of following me, and. He literally looked like Jesus. And I'm like, everybody walks the Camino to be with Jesus. And I literally had one kind of following me.
1: You are on a hiking trail. So what did yeah. you mean by kind of following you? He was, you know, a few feet behind you or like,
0: what did you mean? by that? When you stopped to have food or drinks, um, you know, a lot of times we would meet and talk. And I am like, why is this 31-year-old beautiful man talking to me? And I could tell like he was seeking out and wanted to speak to me. And then I just started thinking maybe I'm not old and ugly and unwanted. And after about two weeks of this, who I call Jesus, walk with me, um, I just started to feel attractive again.
1: Jesus saw in you what you did not see in yourself.
0: Yeah, and there's no makeup. And, you, you know, you carry everything. You have three days of clothes on your back and everything that you can have for the 36 days it takes to walk it. And so, and you smell, you know, you're sweating. (laughs) (laughs) There's no makeup, there's no hair, there's no nothing, and you kind of smell. And still this very attractive man is following me. So it definitely helped my mood and my confidence.
1: It's really a gift that he gave you because he put a mirror up in front of you, I guess. As you were walking along with him, you started to see yourself uh, more clearly because of the way he saw you.
0: Yes. Because I kept questioning, why is he following me? This doesn't make any sense.
1: Did you ever ask him point blank?
0: Absolutely, I did.
1: What did you ask him?
0: Well, he had said to me, he goes, why do you comment on these men that are like in their fifties that are attractive when you have 31 year old, good looking me sitting right here. (laughs) And I said, because you don't make sense and they do. (laughs) What did he say to that? He shook his head and walked off.
1: You left the El Camino and you came home. How soon thereafter did you decide to put your toe back into the dating water?
0: It was once I actually moved out west. And I think I wrote down that I want a partner that I can find that accepts me for me and I for them. And take that surface uh, value off of another person and just really be open to whatever comes in not that they have to be a certain height or make a certain amount of money or be physically fit like i was very focused on my intentions of what i would like but not that be the defining features of the next person that might come into my life and there were times that i just thought maybe there wouldn't be someone to come into my life
1: why did you go to that negative place fear i understand the fear it it, it permeates all of our lives at some point
0: yes i decided to quit my job and go to school full-time, and literally within two weeks, the pandemic happened. So luckily, a friend of mine, a young friend, in her upper 20s, she lost her job, and I said, come live with me. And that would fill my need to parent and plus have somebody with me that I wasn't alone. And so Lisa moved in during the pandemic, and that helped.
1: Well, that's terrific because you had somebody to be with you. She had someone to be with her during a very isolating experience because this was early days of sheltering in place, right? Right. We are here because you went out on a memorable date. Tell us how that date came about.
0: It was the beginning of quarantine and It was just me and Lisa, and we had, we called it hike, homework, and then happy hour. We would get up and we'd do a long hike. We would do our homework, and then we would have happy hour and make a really nice dinner for each other. And then one day we were having dinner, and I just said, I don't know that I can do this. I need attention. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, male attention? I was like, yes, I need male attention. And so she grabbed my phone, and she said, I'm putting you on a dating app, but we have to have an agreement. I pick the pictures, I pick what you're going to say, and then you just keep an open mind. And so I agreed. And of course, she picked pictures I would never have picked of me hiking. They were all just in the moment pictures, not where you're all fixed up. I guess men like to see your full body. So there was like me standing up on a rock or just doing silly, silly things that I never would put online. So she put all those and then she wrote something about walking the Camino and My favorite thing being an old-fashioned and a charcuterie board. Anyway, I was like, who would put all this stuff? But I guess a 27-year-old girl has the mind of the dating scene, and I didn't. And literally within the hour, there was just really nice-looking men coming through, and it was really fun. (laughs) And it wasn't boring anymore. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't, and it really helped It really made me smile, not just on my face, but in my heart, too. Oh, good thing you listened to Lisa and let her take control. Yes. And luckily, I didn't have any really bad experiences. But I learned quickly, you know, what you do look for and what you don't. It's like your own personal preference on the Internet of how you look at a man you want to date.
1: Was Lisa your guide through this or did she hand the reins
0: over to you? I took the reins over immediately. Because I am 52 and she is 27. So there was going to be a difference. (laughs) There was a man that came up and there were too many similarities. His name was David and he was from the South. Like I was from the South. He was very close to a hometown that I'm from. And we just started a conversation and we ended up knowing some of the same people where he was in a state wrestling championship tournament with my old roommate's brother. And there was just a lot of connections.
1: Oh, That's crazy. Small world. Now, were
0: you texting with him? We started on the app and then I just, because the, I still had the uh, aversion to the app, I did give him my phone number and we did start texting.
1: You didn't start talking. You, at first, you started to text?
0: Just texting. And then he did call me. Before we met, he called maybe two or three times.
1: What were those phone conversations like?
0: He was kind of business-like, you know, almost felt like an interview. It wasn't this normal exchange. But it was easy, but it wasn't what I expected. Again, you're dealing with an app and getting to know people and you're in quarantine. So it was different. But I also enjoyed talking to him. He wanted to know if my divorce was amicable, how long I had been divorced. And a big topic was how did we feel about quarantine? And masks weren't required then, but it was how do you go on a date and stay six feet apart? And how do you form a connection if you're not supposed to have a connection? What was his take on that and what was your take on that? We were aligned that you respect the six feet, but that it's not the end all. Like we were still nervous of COVID, but we weren't sure what it was.
1: It was too early. There was isn't enough information out in the world to really understand what we were dealing with as a country.
0: Yes. And he did ask me out and he said I was, quote, geographically undesirable. <laughs> but he asked you out anyway. Yes. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, Well, you're not close to me. <laughs> so we are 50 minutes away. He asked if he could come up, and luckily, I live on a beautiful lake that has a very wide trail. So I said we could walk around the lake where if I was on one side, he was on the other, it's easily six feet apart. Like I said, it, there weren't masks yet.
1: Before we delve into that date, tell us a little bit about David's backstory. Has he been married before? Does he have kids?
0: his story was very similar to mine. I believe it was 18 years married. We both separated in the same month. We graduated from high school in the same year. His children are close to mine. He has an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, one that was still in high school, getting ready to graduate. And that just seemed like more of a fit to me. Like it, I needed somebody that had been in a long-term relationship. He, They separated not really amicably, but um, there was no affair. It was just time for two people to go their own separate ways. And that was something that I was looking for, that I didn't want somebody that had cheated or had been unkind to their spouse. Like I understand growing people growing apart, or not being a fit, especially after so many years, but to have broken a vow would not be okay with me. Did
1: he convey to you whether or not he was emotionally past the separation and on good emotional footing?
0: He did. He said that he wasn't quite there yet, that he didn't want the divorce, and his wife had left and he was still adjusting to that.
1: Mm. Okay. You knew going in that it, it could be a little complicated or very complicated with him because of where his head was at and where his heart was at.
0: Well, I asked him directly if his wife came back and said, I want you back. Would you go back? And he said, no, I don't even like her right now. Oh. And I said, I think it's important that you do find uh, level footing with your ex because you have children together and therefore you're always going to be in each other's lives and your children should not pay for the sins of their parents. And, and I thought that we owe it to our children to be kind to their their mother or father.
1: That is a beautiful uh, thought and perspective, Very, very gracious and healthy. But here he is carrying a lot of anger.
0: Yes, he did not see it from that perspective at all. And I actually felt irritation in his voice when he would talk about how he didn't feel the same way I did and didn't know if that was possible.
1: These are really heavy duty conversations to have with someone who you haven't met in person yet.
0: I think that's my personality and maybe not his. (laughs) If I want to know something, I'm going to find out.
1: The day of the date arrives. How are you feeling that morning?
0: I was very anxious. And, you know, there's the excitement and then there's the fear. He actually came to my house, which I don't know that I would recommend, but that's the way this happened. I was a little nervous about that, but that he showed up through the back door because we had this agreement that we would go for a walk and then we could sit up my back patio you know, and have a glass of wine or something afterwards. And he was adorable and came with a nice bottle of wine and little Ziploc bags with different things like grapes and walnuts and chocolates and cheese and pepperoni. And he made it like a beautiful charcuterie board.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. He took the charcuterie board cue from your profile to heart.
0: Yes, but it was the awkwardness. Okay, how do you let him in your house? right? This is COVID. You're supposed to keep separation. And I think we automatically just moved it to three feet just because I do live in a small area and Lisa was fine with it. I had to have a long conversation with her living here. Like, we have to respect that. Are you okay if this man comes? And I do go on a walk with him and I do have, you know, the charcuterie board outside on the deck with him. And it's like all three of us made this agreement of we were okay with three feet. So when I invited him in to like put his stuff down, change our shoes to go for the walk, we just stood up and gave each other a hug. And then it's like we just threw this whole social distancing to the side. And then we realized we did that. So then on the walk, we kind of still stayed apart. And then we slowly worked back together that we were almost shoulder to shoulder by the end. It's like a mile but it was very quick that we ignored those social distancing rules.
1: It was this magnetic force that pulled the two of you together. We just said the hell with it. How were you feeling? Like, what was going on in the back of your head as you were going against the social distancing guidelines?
0: I think at first... I was like, it, was, it wasn't even about COVID. It was about I'm meeting somebody that I don't even know and how close do you get to them. So even if there wasn't COVID, I think those same things would be going through my head. I think the COVID part was more for, you know, Lisa who was staying with me and then also people that we would see out on on our walk. And would they judge me? Of course, they wouldn't know that I don't know this man, but that went through my head too. So it was more of like appearances to other people that was important to me and not COVID being so important to me as a person being worried about getting it.
1: You spoke about how you had asked him a lot of uh, really deep level personal questions during your conversations before the two of you met. Now you're out, you're walking around the lake. How's that conversation going?
0: How are the two of you getting along Ben? It was great. It was easy. We just walked. It was like I known him for a while. Um, There was a little bit of ego in my head wondering, I wonder if he thinks I'm pretty. I wonder if he's attracted to me. The conversation just flowed easily, and I enjoyed my time.
1: Were you getting more and more attracted
0: to him as the two of you were out walking? Um, I don't think I would allow myself to. There was still a bit of being on guard, but he was easy. And I was definitely attracted to him when we came back and sat down and had wine and charcuterie and the laughs happened. Um, it just got easier and easier as the date went on.
1: When you went back to the house, what happened?
0: He put together the charcuterie board. Like, I mean, I gave him the cutting board and he laid it all out. Um, he's very much likes to be in charge. Like, where's this? He wanted to do it all himself and make the presentation the way I guess he expected it, wanted it to look. And so I just allowed him free roam of the kitchen. And I went and sat outside. And then he presented this beautiful charcuterie board with wine.
1: Lovely. You learned a lot about him uh, within an hour or two of meeting him uh, that you didn't know up to that point.
0: Yes. And the conversation just flowed. And I think hours went by. We were just sitting outside And that's when Lisa said, it's dinner time. You guys want me to make dinner? (laughs) (laughs) And we just agreed. And she made us dinner and served it to us. But then it got cold and we had to come inside. And that's where we sat on the couch. You know, I sat on one side, he sat on the other. And then at some point there was no more distance between us. I think he grabbed my foot and maybe gave me a foot rub or something, but it just became perfectly natural. And I felt like I knew this man. And again, the COVID rules just didn't apply anymore.
1: Wonderful that you were in the moment and you felt that it was right. And your gut told you to go forward and and you did
0: without consequence. Yes. And I think that's the key point. You just have to trust your intuition. This is going to be okay. It feels right. All my senses were feeling, you know, safe and secure. So I just trusted it.
1: How did the evening come to a
0: close? It lasted nine hours. Wow. (laughs) We ended up calling my sister-in-law. They knew all the same people because they were from the same hometown and graduated the same year. It was like we both didn't want it to end. But he did have a son in high school, and he needed to be home. And so I think it was around 10 o'clock, and I'm like, it's time for you to go. Your son's at home. And he agreed. What
1: was it like when the two of you parted?
0: Natural. Like, I had known him for a long time. And he was an amazing kisser, so of course I didn't want him to leave. (laughs) If I had to say it was a perfect COVID date. That's great. Please share with us
1: what has happened between you and David since then.
0: Well, um, I think I heard from him maybe two days later and it wasn't, he actually was speaking to me more before we went on the date than after we went on the date when I thought it was such a great date. And then what I come came to realize is that's just part of maybe his personality being nervous. So we had this great date, but then there's space and I'm like, well, is this part of the dating world? Like I didn't understand it. Like to me, if you had a great time, you just keep talking like regular. But then it almost felt like there were rules after first dates. But we got through those and I actually said, I don't like that we wait two or three days to talk. It doesn't feel organic. And I'm gonna I would appreciate from you that this evolves where I feel like I wanna talk to you, you talk I talked to you and then you talked to me. Not like this game playing. And it, we went on some more dates. And then he asked me to go away with him for the weekend. And that tells you a lot about a person. And I think that was where some problems started to happen, where we're both trying to understand what the other person wants. And that's very hard, especially when you've been married so long. So You have certain ideas of how things should go. And he had expectations and I had expectations and they weren't matching. And so we had a conversation and we tried again. And that went lovely. And we got closer again. But again, he would keep pulling away. When we were together, it was wonderful and perfect. But then when we were apart, There was a distance that he was creating on purpose, and I didn't understand it, and I did confront that, and he did admit that, yes, he was purposely keeping distance because it was too close after getting divorced, and we were dealing with his fears at that point. He really wasn't ready at that time to be in a relationship. No, and he wasn't sharing feelings, and I was sharing feelings. and. So it got rocky there for a little while, and then he came back around and started sharing some more feelings, and it became really, really great, and I made the mistake of saying I love you, which let me reframe that. I shouldn't say it made the mistake. I honored my true feelings and said I love you, and he halted everything and called things off. Goodness. He ran for the hills. He ran for the hills. Not even... We went from 10 to zero, and that really was hard for me to digest. And then I had to understand, because I, I am very open and loving, and for me to try to understand somebody not being so open and not being so free with their feelings was very hard.
1: That must have been crushing, because you were being true to yourself. You had been honest with him from the get-go, how you were feeling, who you are. You put it out there, and he wasn't capable of receiving that most loving of expressions as you had expected he would.
0: Right. It crushed my heart. And physically, it felt like a punch in the stomach. But my heart had already been through, you know, the divorce. And what he had done was share his true feelings. He said, I can't show up like you do. I don't want to share all of my feelings with you yet. And you're very open and honest and loving. And I'm not ready to share that much with you yet. And I said, so are you breaking things off? And he said, yes. And I said, I will bow out gracefully. There is no hard feelings. You just showed me, you know, shared your true feelings. But inside, I was devastated.
1: Understandably. But he wasn't ready to receive the glorious gift of you in his life.
0: I love how you say that. And now that that there's been time since then for me to digest it, I agree with you. That um, saying I love you is never a bad thing. And how somebody receives it is their business. And if you truly love them, then you have to say it and let them process it any way they can and do with it whatever they choose to do with it. And his choice was to walk away. And then I became part of a lawsuit. And the one person that my lawyer said I needed to hire was what his specialty is. So I made a risk to call and ask if he would help me or if he didn't feel comfortable, would he at least point me in the right direction of somebody that could help me? And of course, he agreed to help me. And we became closer during this time of him helping me than we did when we were actually dating. Really? Do you think that was because
1: he didn't feel the pressure of a budding romance? He could just be himself without any expectations of him being a a romantic partner thrust upon him.
0: Yes. And I wasn't being myself because I didn't know he was keeping me at arm's length. And so I would not call and I would not reach out. And so even though I was asking for this organic relationship to unfold, I wasn't being organic. I was always waiting around for him to call. And when this happened and he was helping me, I had to call if I needed an answer and he had to call me to ask questions. And so there wasn't this thought process of, is he going to read into this if I call? Like it just was genuine and it actually happened organically the way we wanted to (laughs) when we were not dating.
1: Who would have expected that a lawsuit would bring the two of you back together?
0: Yes, and we actually got to see each other more clearly for who they are working together because there were ethical issues, and at times I was asked to do things that I said I couldn't because that was going against my integrity, and I saw quickly that he really liked that I couldn't do things just for the sake of winning. There had to be integrity behind our actions, and... So one day he called and asked if he could come by and see me because he was in town for business. And I said, of course. And then he came over and the first thing he said was I lied. (laughs) There's no business. I just wanted to see you. And then I looked at him and I said, David, what are you doing here? And he said, I think you're a wonderful woman. And I just wanted to see you. And he gave me this long, beautiful hug. And he said, Oh, you smell like Chloe. I really missed you. And I looked him in the eyes. I said, are you going to run again? And he said, no. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. And he's stood by that commitment and he's shown up and he's talked about feelings. And now we're in a wonderful committed relationship. You
1: helped him grow. You helped him become a emotionally healthier person because he realized that you bring so much goodness into his life that he needed to step up so he didn't miss out on you.
0: Yes, I think so. I showed him that there was nothing to be afraid of, that I am trustworthy and I'm not going to run. I'm not going anywhere. And that those words, I love you, means I accept you exactly as you are without expectations. And you can just give me the opportunity to love you and you have the opportunity to love me back. Have
1: you said those words to him again since the two of you got back together?
0: No. No.
1: Well, those are big words to say. And clearly they had a major consequence when they were said earlier. Would you ever have expected something like this to happen during the COVID-19 pandemic?
0: Absolutely not. Even without COVID, that just makes it even more amazing that it did happen and the connection did happen. But no, I did not see this coming. And it was such a beautiful, pleasant surprise.
1: What learnings did you take away from this journey you've been on with David?
0: To be gracious in spirit, like you don't know what the other person has been through so you really have to have a lot of grace in how anybody reacts to you, especially if you're having an intimate relationship with someone else. Like saying I love you is going to be interpreted in me as such a kind and generous loving gesture where it could be taken as very scary to another person. And it doesn't have to be labeled as good or bad. I think you just have to allow each person to be exactly who they are. And hopefully you're at the same point where you can receive them and they can receive you. But I do think it all has to come down to loving yourself first and also having compassion and love for the other person.
1: That's beautiful. You've been through a personal renaissance. What advice do you have for women listening who have come out of a long-term relationship and are trying to find their footing?
0: It's okay to be afraid. It's perfectly natural. It's okay to have confidence and look in the mirror and say, I like you. I think we were all taught to be humble and... Maybe not toot your own horn, but this is the one time that is so important to toot your own horn, to feel good, and to just be a badass. Like dig deep and find the badass in each of you and let that shine. Because if you don't do it, no one else will.
1: Be a badass. I love it. I love it. Thank you for coming on the show. And Sharing this tremendous tale with us and for encouraging us all to be badasses.
0: Yes, <laughs> from one badass to another. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the season three finale. We will be back later this year with season four. If you've got a first date story to share, and you'd like to be part of season four, let us know. Just go to firstdatestories.com forward slash share. Tell us about the highlights from your unforgettable date and you might be a guest next season. Meanwhile, there will still be a lot going on at firstdatestories.com with new posts to our Insights blog and more. So stop by and we'd love it if you'd sign up for our monthly newsletter, which is called The Weekender, if you haven't done so already. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. And now for The Legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors first-aid stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast also the names of the guests are often changed for privacy purposes this podcast is produced and edited by the very talented kim paletti and lisa gray of Mind productions and is brought to you by espoir ventures thanks for listening stay healthy and safe And we'll be back with more memorable first date stories next season.